All right, guys, what's going on? So today I'm really excited because we're talking with Jen Thompson. So first off, Jen, thanks so much for jumping on the, uh, the podcast. It's really exciting to have you here. Um, do you want to start off just by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself or maybe those who don't know about you? They don't know about me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe some of the newer ones. Uh, I've been around for a while. I started listening in 1999. Um, so I've been doing it for many years. Um, and in that time, I've won uh, IPF Classic Powerlifting Worlds four times. I've won the um, Equipped Bench Press Worlds um, four times. And I've won the Classic Bench Press Worlds three times for a total of 11. I currently hold the classic uh, bench press world record in the 63s with um, 319 pounds, which I don't know if you guys are in, in kilos there, but I think that's 142 and a half, maybe, or 143, maybe. Uh, I think it's like 145. Okay. And st- still 20 years later, I'm still terrible kilos. <laughs> you would think I would be better by now, but I am not. Um, but so I've just had a long career broken the world record 68 different times held the total record a few times so um yeah i mean i'm a mother i'm a teacher um all that good stuff <laughs> that's awesome and who who coaches you oh my husband does we sort of coach each other um so he he's also a competitive powerlifter. he's taken third the master's world uh, a few times he's won the bench press nationals a few times in the um equipped um, he's a quip lifter still. So um, we started off with quip because that's all there was back in the early 2000s. So I was a quip lifter in the earlier days and then was happy to jump right into raw. <laughs> that's awesome. And so not too long ago, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about as, as the main focus of this conversation is uh, you, you experienced a fairly serious injury and it's taken you a while to come back from it. But I mean, I think it was like maybe a couple of weeks ago where I saw you doing deadlifts for 300 and something for like 15 reps. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming back nicely. <laughs> yeah. And a little uh, bit of a long road, but COVID has actually been a little helpful for me because it's given me some time to recover. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because it, it really has been sort of like a, a double-edged sword, you know, on the one hand there's like all this time, but you know, for an athlete like yourself, you can kind of dedicate a little bit more resources to recovery and to just kind of de-stressing and things like that. So it made a, um, a little bit, um, not so stressful. Like there was no time crunch to try to hurry up and rehab and get better. Um, because there's nothing to get better for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it's funny. Cause like I had two meets for some of my athletes canceled. Uh, one of them was literally the night before, like they had already weighed in I got an email at like 12 in, in the morning or one in the morning, just being like, yep, canceled. And it's just like, seriously. Uh, uh, well, the last meet I did was sort of uh, one of my comeback meets was uh, the South Carolina state meet last month. And literally two days before the school shut down and that's where it was at. And thankfully they were able to scramble and find a CrossFit that would let them have it. So they're able to actually have it, but it was like touch and go for a while. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, we'll you just don't know right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I've got I've got a meet in uh, April, but you know things are all locked down, so we have no idea if that's actually going to go. Right. But uh, yeah. you can still train, I guess. So it's pretty good. Sure. Doesn't hurt to get stronger. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk a little bit more about your injury. So so what actually happened? Well, it was sort of like a string of things. Um, in 2018, I had to have a hip surgery. I had my labrum was torn. 
Um, so they had to go back and they had to suture up my labrum tendon. And then I also had like tons of uh, scar tissue and stuff in the hip joint. So I had laparoscopic surgery and I came back like, and had like a stellar year. Like I won nationals, I run worlds, I won bench press world. It was like amazing. Um, and then after that, um, I had nationals and um, I lost on body weight for the first time ever in a three lift meet, which was, it was going to be number, it was going to be my national um, title number 10. And, um, and I knew it wasn't feeling good going into the meet. I was having some weird hip stuff, but because I wanted to win so badly, I ignored it, <laughs> um, which you shouldn't do. But I was like, I'm just going to go do it. And um, even on like, it was not the greatest day, but we tied, I lost some body weight. So then I was really hungry to come back at the Arnold and take her on again. And I was deadlifting and something felt wrong in my um, glute. And so I kind of tried to take some time off and come back and try to just try to heal it while training, which doesn't work. <laughs> I tried to like work around it, you know? And so we were at the Arnold in 2018 and I was on squat. So I was hitting a PR third squat and I felt something pop and I just fell backwards and the spotters had to catch me. And my husband had to carry me off the stage, which was hugely embarrassing <laughs> in front of like tens of hundreds of thousands of people. And so I tore the um, obturator muscle, which is kind of the muscle that makes you move your foot in and out. Uh, you know, muscle mechanics, I don't. Um, so I tore it like badly. So I did PT, um, you know, fixed it all up. It was feeling better. That summer I was doing some deadliftings and I just heard something pop and I knew something wasn't right. So I went, we, I waited for a little while and I ended up going in MRI and I literally cracked my pelvis in half. Like there was a stress fracture there from when I tore my obturator and no one really recognized it. And so it never really healed. And literally I had space like cracked through and through. And I was like, oh my God. Like, okay, so this just keeps compounding and getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so really the only fix was to take six months off and try to let like the, I did some like a lot of, um, we like stim therapy, um, ultrasound therapy on it. And, and I got an MRI like six months later and they were showing like it, that it was stitching together. So then after that, I just started starting back low again and trying to come back. <laughs> So it was a it was a montage of bad decisions on my part, really. It's funny because usually, well, not usually, but sometimes injuries can kind of happen like that, where you know you try and work around things, like you said, and all that ends up happening is you end up driving more tissue stress to some of these other areas that aren't necessarily prepared, and then all of a sudden, because they have such a, a significant acute spike in, in load that ends up being persistent it can kind of lead to, to some other issues that weren't necessarily planned for. Uh, like I absolutely know that I've had that in the past where it's like, yeah. I hurt my back and then I start doing things differently. And then all of a sudden it's my hamstring or my adductor or my shoulder or whatever else, you know? Yeah. And I just made some bad decisions. It was the first time in my very long career where I was really um, getting challenged, you know, like I wasn't like a shoe in for the win. Like I was going to have to work real hard and like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could afford not to be great, you know, to, in order to win. So I felt a lot of pressure to like ramp up my training where I wouldn't have ramped it up. 
and really just try to get lifts. I wouldn't have um, been so worried. I was so worried about the numbers. And I just let like the whole mental thing get to me. And it, um, it cost me a lot. <laughs> you know, you'd think, you'd think at, at, at the level I'm at, it'd be a little bit um, better, more mature wise and recognize things. But I um, feel like, you know, in this, you have a long career, but at the same time, um, you don't know how long this wonderful opportunity is going to last. So you feel like sort of pressured to like embrace it all as, for as long as you can. Right. And so, so how did that affect your headspace then? Like the, the injury coming back from the injury, were you ever like, you know, concerned that you wouldn't be able to lift again? Like how did you actually get back in the headspace of, of being just confident and, and going after it again? Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm no spring chicken right now, 47. <laughs> and so definitely during the last year and a half, I didn't know if this was going to be like a career ending thing for me. Maybe I was just done. Um, I know I know I was super tired of lifting with pain because I had spent so much time just, you know, trying to grit things out and tough it out and just work, even though like scrat, squats were tremendously painful and my squat sessions were just horrific. And I would just, but I still, I just, I wanted to keep going. <laughs> um, and so at that point I was like, well, if this is it, is it? Because I was like, I am just, I'm just over um, I'm over the pain. I'm worrying this not feeling good. It's, it's not fun. Um, so I just came to sort of the resolution. Well, I have accomplished a lot in my career. So, I mean, I definitely could walk away right now and be pretty happy with the way things have played out for me. Um, but you know, I'm still a competitor and it doesn't want to quit. <laughs> so I was just, I got to the point where, especially with the COVID stuff, I'm like, well, there's nothing going on. I'm just going to start really low and um, do high reps, low weight, and start working my way up. And we'll just see what happens. So if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And as soon as I sort of um, made that sort of resolution in my brain that I was okay with it, then I started doing great. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like there's a bit of like cognitive dissonance that, that happens where, you know, you don't want to accept the fact that you are injured and that you do just have to scale back. And mm -hmm. then you know, the, the moment that you were like, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do. It's just like kind of sort of resolved on its own. It's, but it's, it's, it's tricky. It's really tricky to come back from that because I had uh, two very serious back injuries and one of them, I was in a back brace and on crutches for like a year. And uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. Cause on the one hand, you know, you're, you're obviously I'm not anywhere near the same level as you are as, you know, from an athletic standpoint, but you know, you're used to competing at a certain level and then all of a sudden your performance is dropped. And because that's such an overwhelming aspect of your life, it, it's really hard for that not to be very deeply integrated into your sense of like self and identity. And, and so you kind of end up going through this like little bit of, a, or at least I did anyways, I don't want to put any words in your or anyone else's mouth, but like, I definitely went through a little bit of an identity crisis where I was like, man, like what, what am I doing? Like, what's going on? What are my priorities? And started questioning a whole lot of things. And it became really difficult. Like, did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially because like I have high school kids, you know, and I want to be able to go skiing with them and go hiking and, you know, do things. And so that you do come to a point where like it is, you know, for so long, this is definitely part of my life and who I am and I identify myself with, you know, just the physique that the sport gives you, but just the training, the day to day, the eating, everything. And so um, to have to like come to the reality that like you have to really sort of make a decision as to 
is this um, like a healthy or not healthy really for me to continue on in this way? And it is certainly humbling. Like, you know, like you said, if you're, you're heading back, like, you know, um, 315 is um, hard deadlift for me right now, where before that was my last warm up. So that, you know, it is hard to either just be okay with it and say, okay, I'm just going to start from here and keep forward. Or you just want to throw your hands up and be like, that's it, you know, like, because it is hard where you're used to living at a lifting at a certain level. And then that level is like so far beyond reach. It's hard to think that you'll get back there. And so how did the people around you respond? Like how, how did your husband respond, your, your kids, other people kind of in that, you know, lifting environment, how, how did that impact, I guess, you, your mindset, your recovery process? Um, I mean, I have a, a, a group of probably, I mean, it depends on the day, but five to eight people I live with every day that are my friends that are also powerlifters. Some are just, just like to keep in shape, but we have sort of this good little community going. And my boys, like anytime I hear, like their voice always sticks out to me. Like anytime I'm training or I'm in a powerlifting competition, I can always hear them. So um, it is really like, I can hear them going, come on, mom, you got this. That like, to me is like, all right, I got this. <laughs> you know, if they think I got it, I can do it. Um, my husband and I, I mean, in, in the beginning, like we were trying so hard to get back, I was getting frustrated with the whole thing. And then we just kind of had to make a plan. Like we've always been really good about planning out. I feel, I think you feel better when you can sort of map out things. Okay. Well, you know, nationals isn't for a year now. Let's look at, and then let's make a long-term goal, long-term plans. And when you kind of put it in that perspective, it doesn't seem like such a huge mountain to climb to get back. So he's like, he's my voice of reason. He takes the emotion out of it, you know, and he's the planner. So he does, he, he, um, he helps a lot. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think it's really, really great that you had such a supportive environment. I think a lot of the times, especially if maybe the people around you aren't necessarily as, um, as well inducted into that kind of lifting culture, they can end up being a little bit more scared because they don't necessarily know what's going to happen. They see someone lifting a, an incredible amount of weight and they're just like, Oh my God, like you're going to die again. And they can kind of almost put that fear in you. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, you already have that fear because you experienced the serious injury. Like it, it wears you. Cause I mean, fracturing your pelvis is serious. Like that's a big deal, you know, but I mean, you seem to rebound from it pretty incredibly <laughs> when, when I saw some of the lists you're putting up and like, I, I don't know if this is, I saw you do over 300 recently. Am I, am I mistaken? Yeah. The yeah. Uh, I did. Uh, that was, I did deadlifted over 300 for a bunch of reps uh, bench press. I just did 225 for a bunch of reps. Oh. Um, I hit over 300 in the last meet I did. I did. I broke the, it would have been the world record, but I broke the world record, uh, the bench press record in uh, the bench. I think it was for the um, three lift. I want to say it's like three sixteen point something or other. So that was that. Yeah, that's wild. So I always got the bench. My bench is always my baby, and it, there nothing ever goes wrong with that one. So I'm good there. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy too because the the whole like three plate bench press thing is very much a, a gym bro kind of goal where it's like once you hit three plates that's it you know women are going to love you all the riches are going to come your way and <laughs> it seems pretty wild to to see a woman of yours because you're you're in the the 120 division something like that uh i'm in the 63s which it's the weight class is um 138.8 pounds 
Okay. I usually, I usually weigh around 135. Usually kind of yeah. a little bit lower than that. But. Okay. Yeah, that's freaking bananas because a lot of guys can't even bench that who, who weigh substantially more. So that's just ridiculous to see. I get really irritated about it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Instagram trollers are yelling out the fake plates and everything else, and she's yeah. on steroids, and there's just no way, but I don't yeah. know what to tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, you're definitely always going to get that. I mean, I remember when I saw Steffi Cohen, I think she pulled like what, 545 for, for five or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was 500 for five. I don't know. I don't remember. But I remember like that was the first time I'd ever heard of her, and I remember just being like, that is bananas Mm -hmm. and I'm looking through the comments and like I was so shocked at some of the stuff that people were saying they're like oh whatever she's using a deadlift bar and like oh she's using straps and I'm like are we looking at the same thing like there's like two different sessions going on there's the people like holy crap that's awesome and then there's the naysayers and those are usually the people just aren't real comfortable with themselves and they got to find some reason why they can't do it or this other person could you know like it's just I don't know. It's just, it's just nature of human beings, I guess. Yeah. I definitely can't imagine any like serious and experienced lifter saying something like that. It just seems so ridiculous because I feel like they would have a really good appreciation for, for just how rare something like that is, you know, like pulling something like that. And then also benching the way it's like, I don't, I, I don't really follow a whole lot of weight classes to be honest, outside of like, 125. <laughs> um, I've got like a couple lifters, like I follow Yuri and some of the other people, but like for the most part, I don't really pay attention to, to too many other weight classes. Um, but I, I can't really think of many women at all who were kind of even in that level of, of benching, uh, yeah, they're getting closer now, like before. And I kind of like to think I had maybe a little bit of something to do with this. You know, it used to be where, you know, the bench was just sort of the rest between the squat and the deadlift. You know, and powerlifting, yeah. <laughs> it was just a time off. Um, but I think, you know, like with anything, once you put out that something can be done, then more people are able to achieve it. And so now women, like there's um, an Italian girl, uh, Cara, Carol Guerrero, and my, I think she hit 303 um, uh, bench the other day. She has a pretty wicked arch, but still, you know, and um, Daniela Mello can hit over three now, raw. So, um, you know, for at one time was like, you know, it's like when they first bought the five minute mile or four minute mile, you know, it was a big deal, but now lots of people can do it. So I think it's kind of the same thing. Um, I don't know if they'll ever get up to exactly where I'm at, but I mean, it's definitely way closer, which I think is great for our sport. Good for women's athletics, you know, it's all good stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. So how did, uh, how did the injury, I guess, impact you outside of, of just lifting? Uh, well, like the surgery, of course, was tough because, you know, you're in crutches and things like that. And there's PT and all that sort of good stuff. Um, same thing with the broken hip. It was like, you can't really do much. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to watch your legs get so small, <laughs> you know, and I was able to do, I think after so many months, I was able to do like just some extensions and curls or something like that. But I mean, it definitely, even though like the bench press is a different um, ordeal you know your bench goes up if you do legs I mean it's just endorphin rush it's just the muscle production I guess things like that I'm not huge into science on that but I know like my bench just kind of stalls if I can't get my legs you know exercised as well so bench suffers a little bit that way um, but outside of it it's just like it just it was a bummer because I could go skiing with my kids that year you know <laughs> just you just have to always be careful like should I be doing this you know I have a broken hip but you know it really didn't hurt 
as long as I wasn't um, exercising, like that broken hip, I, you, I wouldn't even know I had it unless I try to lift weights or do something with it. So um, that way it was really not that cumbersome. Well, that's lucky. Yeah. Well, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's how you look at it. <laughs> so did you alter your, your diet or your sleep or did you, you know, um, take on any additional recovery strategies or anything like that? Well, I always get a great amount of sleep. <laughs> I, uh, I love sleep. I get naps like every single day, like my world revolves around me getting good sleep. So I think that definitely helps for, for rest and recovery. Um, other than that, just, well, just trying to eat more clean, trying to eat good, good meals, lots of veggies, things like that. But, you know, I'm pretty good eater anyway, so I didn't really need to alter too much stuff. More of it was just making sure I wasn't putting on extra weight because I wasn't able to exercise you know, the way I like to. Right. And so did you have any sort of like approach right now, or maybe, you know, something kind of going on in the back of your head to potentially manage or mitigate any sort of potential risk for injury in the future? Or is this kind of something you just see as like a one-off? Um, I hope, gosh, I hope there's no more after this because I've had my share. <laughs> um, most of it is just like when I'm training, not making big jumps sticking with the plans, really paying attention to how it feels. Um, a lot of it is, you know, you have to be okay sometimes not finishing your workout or dropping down the weight and just getting in some light sets, which is hard to do, you know, when you're training for something, but you have to sort of be okay with that. And so I've kind of had to reconcile that in my head. Well, let's just not do these last couple exercises or let's drop down the weight or it's just had it today and it's time to call it quits. <laughs> um, lots of ice though. I always do really, I, I love ice. I think it really is the cure all for about every injury. So like I usually ice my entire body, like when I'm done. Nice. That sounds terrible, but. <laughs> oh, it feels so good though. Once you get used to it, it feels so good. It just numbs up that spot that doesn't feel so good. And you feel so much better. <laughs> I, I will say this, like before I moved to Canada, I remember um, we would all take like cold showers. I can't uh, do that one. And, or, or like you'd have like a, like just water that you'd kind of walk into and, and it would be like just ice and frozen. And it's terrible while you're in there. But then once you jump out, you're just like, you've got an insane amount of energy. So I, I will admit that for sure, but I definitely hate the experience. So I don't do it anymore. Um, that sounds horrific. Like I, my husband tried to talk me into doing that and like, I couldn't do it. Like I tried, I'm like, no, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if you want to do it, I think the big thing is you can't have hot showers anymore because the moment oh. you go from having cold showers, then you have one hot shower and you're like, fuck that. I do not have <laughs> cold showers anymore. But, uh, but yeah, no, it definitely makes a difference in terms of just like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what difference it actually has necessarily, but mostly psychological, I think it just kind of wakes you up and you're just like full of energy. Well, to take away a lot of the inflammation and things like that. But I, mean, I think you have to be careful with some of that too, because like as a power lifter, you want that inflammation for the muscle growth and strength growth. So that's why like um, a lot of times I say those cryotherapy things, you know, they're great for endurance type athletes, but not necessarily for power lifters, unless you have like a certain injury or it's just like, you know, you're, you have a competition back to back or something like that. I mean, the idea is you do want that inflammation to um, repair and make your muscles grow back faster. So if you're taking away that inflammation, you're taking away some of your 
games. Right. Yeah. So during that process, did you ever, did you ever think about quitting or did you ever think about like, uh, you know, what the next step was for you in terms of whether or not you're going to be able to continue? I never thought like about quitting lifting. Um, I didn't know how many big competitions would be in my future. I just sort of, just sort of left it as like, if it happens, it happens great. If it doesn't, you know, but you have to sort of, and I was, I wanted to be able to still live a, live a nice, <laughs> live a nice life the rest of my years. And um, that wasn't going to happen the way things were going. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause one thing you mentioned was how you started auto regulating your training after the injury coming back from it. And that was kind of my experience as well. When, when I came back, um, I definitely think it gives you a little bit more awareness and you start paying attention to a lot of those details really early on before they start cropping up and, and really turning into something a little bit more significant. Like I remember I was always dealing with little injuries, like not, nothing crazy, you know, it was just like, you know, my, I strain my pec a little bit or my back is a little, you know, sore and like my hip is tight and just kind of bothering me, like all these little things. And then after coming back from my back injury, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done with that. So anytime something happens now, I'm usually trying to be pretty aggressive at tackling it because, and, and because of that, I mean, like, you know, on the one hand, it sucks because I was out a whole year, but on the other hand, I've been training for several years now, almost uninterrupted. Well, uninterrupted by injury, interrupted yeah. many times by COVID. Right. Uh, but yeah. And so I, I think there definitely is a bit of a silver lining there. And, and even um, for myself as well, like dealing with, with some of the athletes that I coach, you just have a little bit more of an appreciation of, of kind of what they're going through of their mindset and kind of how to, to give them little wins, even though they're not like all time PRs. It's like, yeah. how do you, how do you still make, training fun? How do you change the, the goals and kind of shift things up? So actually, that is a question I'd like to ask you. During that time, it is really important to see those wins. So how did you shift your attention so that you could still feel like you were making progress, even though the absolute weight on the bar wasn't necessarily what you're accustomed to? Um, so it was just sort of like, um, just in belief in brief in the process, belief in the program. And if you could look like many months ahead, you know, you had plenty of time to get there starting this low. Um, but then a lot of times it was just looking at the workout itself. Like if you could get through it without pain, <laughs> that's a win, you know, or without a tweak or without, without something going wrong. Um, so a lot of it sometimes was like being able to look ahead and say, okay, I can get there. But some of it was just focusing on the task at hand. And, um, and, and in my training, like for all these years, it's very cyclical. Like you, I mean, you peak to your competition and then you drop back down a bunch of weight and you start back over. So, you know, starting back over at a much lower weight is sort of something you're used to doing anyways, because you kind of just, you're making gains, you drop back, you make a little higher gain, you drop out, you make a higher gain, you drop back. So um, we always like after a big competition, drop back and do like low weight, high reps. So, you know, that, that didn't seem like off to me or unfamiliar. So that was easy to handle. Just the unknown was probably the hardest part it was like, you know, how far will I be able to go before this hurts again? Or how far will I be able to get, will I get back to these numbers that I'm used to getting to? Mm. And so where are you right now relative to where you have been at your best? Uh, well, I had like my comeback knee in December, which um, I didn't get quite to where I would have liked it, but I just wasn't quite ready yet. My squat, I think I got to, um, I tried, I tried actually a PR squat, <laughs> which was 344 and I missed it. 
Um, and then deadlift is still probably about 40 pounds below. So I basically like, I was able to get myself back to what my second attempt normally is, which was my third attempt. Um, so, and then a bench of course was great. <laughs> so, um, but it did give me, it, I knew I wasn't going to be, a, you know, I wasn't going to be, um, doing anything huge. Although, even though I did try that PR, <laughs> um, I knew I wasn't quite exactly, but it just gave me hope that I, I definitely can get into those numbers again. I definitely got into the 400s in my deadlift, which I wasn't sure if I'd get back there. So that was like a plus. Um, squats have always been oh, horrible. <laughs> I've never been a good squatter. These legs just don't like squats. So I, I have a goal of hitting 350 one day and I always try to keep my squat a little bit higher than my bench. So I was able to do that. So I was happy. <laughs> Yeah, well, we always have that uh, that one lift that just does not seem oh, to grow. I just cannot. Like, yeah. oh, my God, so frustrating. I work at it so hard. It's just like my bench is good. My deadlift is pretty good. Um, yeah. That squat, ah. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally the opposite. I'm like, my my squat and deadlift are pretty good, and then my bench is like way down. <laughs> like, I'm still in the low 400s for, for bench press. You know, while everyone else at my weight class is benching like in the mid fives. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, so hopefully eventually I'll get there. But yeah, uh, just gotta keep trying, keep trying. Exactly. So, so what kind of goals are you working towards right now? Then, uh, let's see. So uh, we have US has our nationals planned for June, um, and it's in Florida, so it most likely will happen because Florida tends to have no rules. So <laughs> I think that's why they planned it there um, was because they've just been like opening and carefree since this whole whole thing anyway. Um, but it is like on a much smaller scale because even though Florida is pretty open, you know, say powerlifting is real, um, on their like a uh, limited amount of number of people that can do it and, you know, wearing the mask and all that sort of stuff. So that's June. So my plan is to get, I'm doing like a, a high rep workout right now. And then that should end in March. And then I'll start doing my competition training for, for June. So the, the hope is to, uh, get back past where I was, I think. Um, you know, the idea of the high reps training was to get kind of more of that base strength back, you know, not just working on a one rep max, but just getting everything super strong and you're able to do way more under less load. You know, it's kind of a relief for your body to use a less load, but then you're really getting strong and pushing yourself by the amount of reps you're doing. So like in this workout we're doing right now, every, um, third set is for AMRAP. So you're just going out like is getting out as many as you can like on that third set and it's killer but and your body is so stinking sore like every day but i don't know if you're a power lifter when you can't walk the next day you're like yes (laughs) yesterday (laughs) you go to like pick something up off the ground and you're like seven seconds just to bend forward (laughs) yeah we had a squat day yesterday i did um 240 for 10 my last set and so I was taking the dogs this morning. My adductors are like cramping up like the whole time. And I'm like, oh my God, it's icy outside. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. But eh, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that the higher volume approach is becoming a little bit more accepted now. I remember back when Jesse Norris was really um, like big, when he was kind of hitting his peak, he would always hit like 10s and 12s and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be like very, I don't want to say new, but it definitely wasn't very well received by a lot of people they were like oh it's specific blah 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 whereas now i see lots of people doing that stuff and i mean 
I definitely do that as well. Cause like you said, I think the biggest thing is like, it builds up your work capacity, builds up your base, builds up muscle. And the biggest thing is, you know, it deloads all your tissues from that really, yeah. really strenuous lifting. And yeah. of course, because you're doing high reps, you can usually utilize like a, an exercise variant, like instead of doing a comp squat, maybe like a front squat, SSB squat, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that that's really valuable because like, you're not going to feel damage in your, in your tendons and ligaments. Like they feel great until they blow off and then, <laughs> and then that's it. So I definitely think those periods are really, really good. So I, I, I do like that kind of almost more linear type approach of, of the scaling of the reps and things like that. Yeah, we do it at least once a year. We do this sort of high rep where you start with reps of 10 for two weeks, and then you go down nines for two weeks, and so on until you get to fives. Um, and I, every year, I always get way stronger. Like I keep a record, you know, if we do it, we try to do it twice a year. Sometimes it just ends up being once, just depending on how many competitions are going on. But it's definitely something that um, I can tell you has made me stronger as I've gotten older, for sure. So how long does that, uh, does that higher volume phase usually go for? I mean, if you're just reducing by one rep every two weeks, it sounds like it'd be like, it's like a 12 week program by the time you get down to fives. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's rep heavy in the beginning. It's all done by percentages. You know, you actually put in your numbers in the beginning. And so, you know, exactly the, um, reps and weight that you're doing every single, every single week for 12 weeks. Um, And so um, you tend to fail a little bit as you get more towards the sixes and fives. Um, But with the higher reps, you're able to really hit them all and then some on that third, third set. So, um, so it's a high, high rep, but then you are getting down to, I mean, fives, which I don't know, it still seems like a lot of reps to me. (laughs) Not 10, (laughs) but it is funny. We just hit the week of eights. It's such a relief to do eights versus tens. You're like, yes, eights. (laughs) Yeah, your perspective definitely shifts because I, I take a similar approach with uh, my athletes. Like I'll use, um, I find a lot of the kind of higher intermediate, more advanced athletes anyways, tend to do fairly well in like a, almost like an alternating approach. So we've got like a heavy week followed by, you know, more voluminous week and then heavy light, things like that. But uh, yeah, hitting, hitting like a 10 RM, I'll get some of them to hit like 10 RMs or eight RMs or whatever. And then the moment they drop down, even by two reps, they're like, oh my God, this is heaven. Even if it's like, they're still doing like yeah. eight reps. It just is so much, so much better than doing those extra two. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be, reps. but you yeah. definitely feel it for sure. Yeah, you become very grateful for, for having to grind out really, really heavy weights. Well, we always go beltless too, till we get to eights. So we're always pretty excited. You can throw on a belt at eights. We're like, yes, belt. <laughs> No, that, that's that. I like, I like doing the same thing. Actually, it really gives you a boost. Once you, t- once you toss on the belt, like your power is just so yeah. much. Yeah. It's amazing difference. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So coming back to, I guess your, your mentality through this whole like rehabilitation process, getting back into competition, almost breaking some new records for yourself and then coming back and, you know, hopefully actually breaking a lot of those PRs or those individual PRs. Um, how do you think your previous competitive experience really influenced your ability to kind of persist through all of this? Certainly like the, definitely the years of experience have made me mentally strong. Like I'm pretty mentally tough, especially in the competition. Um, and that's definitely been my advantage. A lot of times is that like, I'm just um, confident. I don't let things get in my way. I don't let worries get in my way. 
Um, I've always been a big risk taker as far as taking attempts and going for stuff. So um, that's always been, been um, like a positive for me, but I think that comes with time, you know, definitely wasn't in the beginning. <laughs> it was a complete wreck, you know, when I first started competing, but now um, I think with just all the different experiences and being on a stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people and traveling across the world to different competitions and things like that. Um, but there is just definitely a level of comfort knowing they've kind of done a lot of things already. And so everything I do, I feel like from here on out is just like bonus. <laughs> so I would really like, I mean, I'm really hoping this June, you know, that I'll be able to come back. And um, I really want that number 10. I've got nine national titles and I really need double digits. So <laughs> that's sort of, sort of my goal. I hope I'll get there. Um, but in the end, like I love competing I and mean, that's what's kept you in it for so long is to be on there and like, to come down to that last deadlift or to come down just to the number his game or who's more confident or who's the biggest risk taker. It's fun. It's like a big game. So that's really what's kept me in it all these years is just the love of competing and putting it all out there and see who's the grittiest, you know, it's, it's good. <laughs> So when, when you approach a competition, like what, what is your strategy or mentality? How do you usually approach like attempt selection? And do you have some sort of like mental um, preparatory process prior to actually going out onto the platform? Or even like if it does extend for several days, I know some people kind of get into a zone a couple of weeks out. So what, what does that process look like for you? Um, I try not to think about it at all because it makes me nervous. <laughs> so I do a lot of visualization. Um, I've read a lot of books on like um, just athletic uh, mental prep. Uh, my favorite one's called Body Mind Mastery by Dan Mil Milman. McMillan. McMillan. Um, and a lot of it is learning how to deal with those, those um, nervous feelings, doing a lot of visualization as to how you expect it to go. So that like, you know, usually by the time I get to a competition, I've already lifted in this competition probably 20 different times in my head, you know, so there's a familiarity to it. Um, and as far as like a, a temp picks, like we have like an A, a B and a C, like my, usually my openers almost never change. My openers are, have been the same for years because I feel the opener is sort of a last warm up. you know, really it's, it's just to get you in there, get you feel confident, show the referees that you've got all the points in each lift. Um, and then usually my seconds are uh, near my top end, but not my top end. So it's about 95% about of what I can do. And then usually my thirds on, on the edge. <laughs> and I have an A, B, and C because um, usually you just never know how you're going to feel that day and what's going to happen. And, you know, usually there's some sort of weight loss or gain or whatever, you know, different food, there's travel, there's all that sort of stuff. So I really don't ever really know like how great I'm going to feel that day until I get out on that platform. So I have several scenarios <laughs> going and we just sort of pick which one we think. And sometimes we go in between um, each one. So, but I mean, I love being back there with the girls. So the one, one thing about powerlifting is like everyone's so supportive of each other. Although you're all competitors, like there's no, I've never really experienced any nastiness from anybody. You know, you're back there, you're, you want to win. You know, you're putting it all out there in the line, but you're also back there high-fiving everyone and having a great time. So I think that makes it fun also. There's definitely a competitive component as well, but but I do think that because it is a solo sport, there's a little bit more appreciation between lifters for like what it takes to, to go out there. And 
I can't remember who I was talking with about this, but just the psychological aspect of, uh, of lifting, like when you see your competitors are really on their game, it like brings you to another level, you know? I mean, how many times have we seen, for me, the, the number one example of this was, I can't remember what Olympics it was, but there were, it was Ilya Ilin, and he was like head to head with a bunch of, I think like four different guys. And in four sequential attempts, they all broke world records. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Ilya Ilin came in again, and he took a number that was like, I think 15 kilos past anything he's ever done. And he just smoked it. And everyone was like, what the heck? And he won. And it was just like, sometimes I think that, you know, the competitive aspect can pull that out of you. And there's like this really cool camaraderie. So it's almost like, I want to push you mm-hmm. because I think it's going to get more out of me as well. But then I also respect the fact that, you know, you kind of like how, how mentally challenging it is to go out there and be all alone and then just kind of crush a weight that, you know, you've never, you've never lifted before. It's, it's mm-hmm. a pretty pretty unique experience yeah I mean you're sort of in it together to a certain point you know Mm. you know you're both striving for the same thing but you're also sort of kind of in the same battle so you're sort of side by side in a way um so I mean and definitely like you know powerlifting is like way more expressive now especially now in America where we have the prime time and things like that like it's more of a production there's you know there's music there's lights there's an announcer there's um crowd going crazy and that all plays into making you want to go and hit bigger numbers too and the cheering and the high-fiving and the jumping around and it's contagious you know it really is infectious and so it's great to to see that and just experience it makes you want to keep coming back did you ever find it difficult or did you ever find that while you were coming back from injury that you had a predisposition to be a little bit more negative and maybe look at things from Uh, that lens a little bit more well you certainly can get down on yourself like you know you just especially if you're having a bad day or you just haven't slept well you know all those things that play in into um, factors with that but I'm pretty good about shaking myself out of that stuff and just sort of um, you know I just I when I have those negative thoughts I just put I picture myself crushing them putting them away thinking about different things um, so the mental game is super, super important because it can make you or it can break you <laughs> for sure. I mean, especially in powerlifting, I, I say sometimes it's almost like 90% uh, mental, 10% you know, physical, uh, because if you're down on yourself, you're not going to do well. And then that just sort of bit keeps going, barreling, barreling, barreling down. So you have to be able to have that ability to, when something goes wrong, it isn't right. You have to have that ability to crush that thought, crush that negative feeling and just refresh and go on to the next step. And so I'm pretty, pretty good with that. So what advice do you have to newer lifters? Cause I know that you said when you first were starting out, that was something you kind of struggled with was the anxiety of, of kind of competition. So, sure what, so. Advice do you, yeah, what advice do you have to, to newer lifters who are still kind of experiencing that and uh, you know, are still a little newer into the game, maybe just a couple of years into their competitive uh, experience. Well, you think about it, it's not an easy thing. First of all, you got to get out there in this, wrestling suit in front of everybody you know and you have to do the perform this in front of people that are judging you and then an audience you know um so i mean that in itself takes some um you know confidence to even just get out there and do it but i do think like especially in the beginning what we did was we just we did meets constantly i mean even didn't even train them i would just go out and do them 
because the more you got comfortable with that, the more you got used to seeing the referees and just the schedule and how everything flowed, you got better with it. And then a lot of it was um, coming to a reckoning with what worked for me. And, um, you know, I'm pretty like, um, I'm not a very loud person, I'm pretty kind of calm. But then when I get out powerlifting, I'm yelling and screaming, I'm waving my hands. And the reason I do that is because it keeps the negative voices in my head quiet. <laughs> so that's how I found a way to deal with like, oh, that looks heavy, or that last lift felt heavy, or I don't want to get out in front of these people, or what if I miss, I miss this in the gym. And so instead of ha having those thoughts, I just, I shout, I yell, <laughs> I wave at the crowd, I get the crowd cheering for me, because it makes me feel like I have all these people on my side that want me to do well. And so really, it's kind of coming up with your own mechanism. I know, like, um, Joy um, from England, uh, you never can say her last name correctly. She's the world champion from England, Nanami. Um, Nanami, I can never say it right. So, so sorry, Joy. Um, but anyway, if you watch her in between lifts, she's in the back sucking on a sucker and reading a book in between lifts. And that's how she deals with it. Some people have to have really loud music in their head so that it keeps the negative thoughts out and they're just hyped and ready to go. So it really is finding something that helps you keep your nerves in check and make some positive instead of a negative. Like for the deadlift, like I can never come anywhere near lifting the deadlift in the gym that I can on the platform. Like at, at home, I can maybe hit a single of 420, 430, but I get out on the platform, I can hit 460 all out. It's just you can't recreate that type of situation, I don't feel like. So you have to find some way to make those nerves um, not a negative, but a positive. So everyone has a little bit of a different way of doing it, but you got to find yours. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's funny because a lot of the times, like if I'm coaching a lifter who's maybe a little bit more new, let's say they only have like three or, or a handful, or maybe even no, no competitive experience, um, they'll usually be like, oh my God, I'm really nervous. And I'm like, honestly, the only time I've ever seen lifters do really bad is if they're not nervous, yeah. like I'm way more concerned if a lifter's not nervous than if they are nervous. Cause the yeah. nerves are going to make you stronger. They're not going to make you weaker. It's right. like, it's Everyone the, always asks me, they're like, you surely don't get nervous anymore. I'm like, Oh my God, I am nervous before the way in. I am nervous before we get going. If I actually think about it, I get nervous, you know? So they're always there, but that's a, that's a positive, not a negative. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And I think it's like, once you come to that realization with yourself where it's like, Hey, this is normal. It happens every time everyone experiences this. And this is actually something that I can utilize like, like yeah. a tool. Then I think it kind of changes that frame of reference. And so you're, you're less concerned about it because it's like, if it gets into your head, you almost become nervous by the fact that you're nervous. And then it just kind of is this weird thing that just downward spiral, <laughs> just become exhausted. You step out on the platform and you're already so drained because you've just been obsessing over this for the last couple of hours. That is some of it too. Like, um, you know, a couple of like, especially earlier on, I be beat some girls like, cause they're, they're back. They're trying to stay amped up the whole time. And that's, and, you know, or trying to like stay in this zone, you know, and so that is hugely draining. So it really is important to learn how to turn it off and turn it on really quick, you know, get yourself amped up, go out there and then leave it there and rest and then go. That is a good point. Yeah. I remember when I was boxing, um, my, I would be so nervous that I would literally go to sleep. I wouldn't even do a warm up before a fight. I would go to sleep and I would just nap. And my sister would tell me uh, about five minutes before I had to walk out. 
And so I'd get up, do a couple of jumping jacks, then I'd go out there cold because if I was, if I warmed up, sure, I'd be physiologically prepared, but then mentally I would just screw myself over. And I would actually have to go out there and like, I'd put my head out and so you could like hit me a couple of times and I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And then once I felt it, then I'm like, all right, cool, we're in this. But yeah. if I did it any other way, I would just be so, so anxious, you know? Mm-hmm. Just I can remember it was, um, back in the equip days and it was a girl that I went against all the time and we were, we were friendly. We always joked and laughed and it was good. But this one particular me and it was a nationals, her coach decided to like put her in a corner. He wouldn't let me talk to her. Like he blocked her off. And then she would just sat there and like, was just like frowning and like rocking back and forth and just like trying to like stay in this zone. And she had probably the worst meet of her life. (laughs) Like she like dropped the deadlift, rocked forward, rocked backward, because I think by the time she got to it, she was exhausted because, you know, her her coach was trying to keep her in the zone and focused. But what he didn't realize is you can't do that for, you know, three, three sessions of lifting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I usually try and tell people like, hey, just take it easy. If you have friends, honestly, go and talk to them. Just yeah. have fun, relax. You know, you only really need about a minute to kind of get into that position. You're already super nervous. You don't need to get into that state because you're already you're already there. Yeah. You kind of need that. Yeah, I'm usually, I'm usually back there checking, cracking jokes or we're telling stories or anything to sort of just keep your mind off of what's going on until you have to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're coming up on that hour mark. And uh, so I definitely want to be respectful of your time before we, before we end off, where can people find you, Jen? Oh my gosh. I am all over the place. (laughs) Um, I have a YouTube channel. It's 132 pounds of power. So I've got a bunch of tutorials and just fun stuff like that. I just started doing TikTok, (laughs) which is so much fun. I've actually really enjoyed doing that. So all my social media is Jen Thompson 132. So I have uh, Instagram and TikTok and um, Facebook, things like that. Um, and then we do, uh, t- I don't know if you know what Twitch TV is, uh, but we, do you know what it is? No. Okay. So it's like a, a streaming, it's live streaming. So I actually live stream our workouts on Twitch TV. So you could actually get on it and like chat with us while we're working out. Oh, so that's cool. Twitch, yes. Twitch.tv Jen Thompson 132. So that's it's all, but all my stuff's on my website, which is 132poundsofpower.com. Okay, cool. So all that stuff's going to be linked up in the show notes, guys. Definitely go give her a follow. Check out some of her, uh, some of her stuff. She puts out a lot of really impressive lists, some great content on a regular basis. Um, also, if you liked the episode, make sure you give it a five-star review, comment, share it with a friend. It helps me get... Uh, you know, keep getting awesome guests on the podcast as well as just put out better content for you guys. So Jen, thanks so much for jumping on. It was awesome chatting with you. Thank you for having me. I truly enjoyed it.